friends, and welcome to chapter 12 of The King's Heir. As the mountain's outcropping opened, I heard Torkin groan. He really wasn't looking forward to this. Dad whispered something to him as we approached the entrance to the lab that seemed to calm him. I took a deep breath and stepped up to the door, holding my watch to the lit screen. The light above the door turned green, and a large metal panel slid open. I tossed up a barrier and waved for my group to follow me inside. A wall of red light followed each of us through, but just as Torkin had said it would, the barrier protected us. As we passed through the doorway, we entered a large hangar bay. The lights must be faulty. Eval's voice echoed in the dark. Mr. Barnes was about to comment when a deep, guttural growl sounded to our left. The six of us froze. I slowly looked over and found an enormous pair of purple, luminous eyes staring us down. I heard my father scan his watch, and the door opened. Light pouring in from outside. Don't come in just yet. I reached out to him through our link. There's a bit of a problem. What kind of problem? Concern laced his voice as he halted his group. Nothing I can't handle, I assured him. Just wait a moment. I didn't wait for his reply before jumping from the walkway onto the hangar's concrete floor a few feet below. As I moved, Trift hunkered down into my hair, ready to leap into action if needed. I extended the same calming aura I'd used on the Hydra towards the mystery beast. My magic floated to the monster, illuminating it in an eerie green light. The moment it touched his grayish-purple fur, the beast's low growl shifted to a high-pitched whine. Hey there, big guy. What hurts? I wasn't sure what the creature was, but I knew it was scared, and it was in pain. A large, wet, black snout, followed by an even larger and wetter purple tongue, appeared in the light of my energy. What was he doing? Was he licking a wound? I needed more light. Mr. Barnes, how do we get these lights on? I asked over my shoulder. There's a manual switch further on up. Eval, do you remember the one I'm talking about? He sounded both confident and concerned as he spoke. Yes. I heard her buzz away. We sat in the dark, the only sound around us coming from the creature before me. He'd lick for a while, whine, shift his weight, and then continue licking. Every time he would shift, I heard the distinct clatter of metal against the hard floor. Within a few minutes, the lights overhead flickered on, finally revealing the magnificent mystery creature before us. Jose, do you know what that is? Esta's voice was nearly a whisper. I looked over the humongous wolf-like beast with great interest. He filled almost two-thirds of the bunker with his size. His lovely twin tails curled protectively about his scrawny, underfed frame. The new light didn't seem to bother him at all. The great dog simply kept licking his swollen paws. It's a bandersnatch! Trift hovered excitedly beside me. He's injured, I turned to Esta, pleased to see that he was already approaching. You come with me. He grabbed my shirt sleeve and pulled as he passed me. 
A hydra is one thing, but a bandersnatch is a whole other level of mythical creature. I want a security blanket while I look him over. I want to pet him. Trift zipped up to the creature, burying his tiny body in the dog's long purple hair. The bandersnatch stopped licking his paws and started to snuffle the spot on his shoulder where Trift had vanished. To my astonishment, and the others as well, the giant creature rolled onto his side, his, maths, his massive tongue flopping lazily out of his mouth as his hind foot thrashed wildly. I would have feared for my pixie's safety had he not been giggling like an idiot. I called to him, Trift, knock it off so Esta can look him over. You have such an extraordinary power over beasts, young prince. Even Mr. Barnes had come to examine the being. Then again, you don't get to see a living, breathing bandersnatch every day. The last known living population had been located in these plains, but they died off hundreds of years ago. Could this lab produce a clone, Mr. Barnes? I asked as Esta examined a paw. Trift was now scratching behind the canine's ear, telling him he was a good boy. Yes, he admitted. In fact, it has. The breeding program proved difficult, since the majority of wild-caught adult pixies were unwilling to participate. Many of the pixies that were born here were cloned from existing creatures. Their mothers were simply surrogates. I shuddered. No wonder the pixie population is so fucked up. Regardless, I have a feeling that our friend here is a product of that science as well. Obtaining a viable DNA sample for a bandersnatch is quite easy in this area. I was thinking the same thing. Evol chimed in, landing on her face shoulder. Sorry it took so long to get the lights on. The switch was damaged. I had to do some extensive rewiring. That was likely intentional. Carlin finally muscled up enough courage to come close. Anyone other than O'Sale here would have been snapped up by that thing seconds after entry. Thankful for the reminder that there were others waiting to enter the building, I gave Dad the okay to come inside as Esta gave me his summary of the beast's wounds. His claws have been removed, likely used in whatever experiment provided our friends with their poisonous nails. I heard the door open and the others gasp upon their entries. My father leapt from the walkway much as I had. His excitement made him look much younger than he was. Torkin joined his son in pampering the beast almost immediately, giggling and chittering with glee as the enormous thing rolled onto its back for them to scratch his belly. The fact that two creatures who were smaller than my shoe could bring a being larger than my father's house to such a state was quite comical. Before I had a chance to do it myself, Torkin released the dog's shackles. It didn't even seem to notice. Nor did he notice when Father began to heal his wounded paws. I'm certain the group would have loved to have played with the Bandersnatch longer, but we had more to accomplish. Trift, Torkin, we need to keep moving, I called to them, ending their jovial play. Trift's head popped out of the beast's fur around his scruff. Can we keep him, please? I'll think about it. I lied, knowing full well that the massive beast would definitely be coming home with us. I rubbed the Bandersnatch's long, heather-colored snout kindly. Be patient. We'll come back for you. His massive tongue flicked at my cheek and he whined. I gave him another pat. I promise. The beast huffed and settled in for the wait, watching us with longing. 
It's his name. I like it. It stays. Now, do you agree or not? I tried to keep him on topic. If there's another fantastical beast ahead, could you handle it? I'm sure I could. He scowled at me lightly, but not in a manner that would be conductive to our mission. I agree that staying together would be a good option, for multiple reasons. Have you noticed the cameras? I hadn't. My head instinctively moved to find them. Their motion activated, my lord. Mr. Barnes chimed in as we reached the next door. They were designed to make sure nothing in the lab was being stolen, so they track every micro-movement. There are literally thousands of them. That certainly isn't comforting. Alfred whispered quietly. Hmm, Dad thought aloud. Emily? You got it. Emily took out her wand and approached the camera next to the door with confidence. Are they all on a single circuit? The older scientist looked confused. He clearly had no idea what she was about to do. N no, uh, the ones for the doors are independent, but the ones inside the rooms are all linked to the control panel in the central office. Then I won't bother with the doors. She looked about the room, spotted a different camera, and strode over to it. As she held her wand up, the tip of the ornate metal rod glue bright with her blue energy. Within seconds, the little red lights on the other cameras in the area were extinguished. I shorted the circuit, she stated as she returned to the group, putting her wand away. There's one part of the building that either had no security or has been rewired. If I remember the map correctly, it's the barracks area. That area had less security, but it was definitely under surveillance. I bet we'll find some interesting things there now. Torkin spoke slowly. Osail. Mom motioned for me to lead us on. Since you no longer wish to split, why don't you go first? Scared? I asked with a sarcastic grin. If there weren't so many people with us, I was certain she would have smacked me. No, was her only response as I stepped up to the door and scanned my watch. Of course she wasn't scared. My mother wasn't scared of anything. She was a thick-skinned queen. She had to be. She works in education. The door opened and I ushered my group through. This time the lights came on the second we stepped into the new area. It was a hallway with smaller rooms on the left side. I released a pulse of energy, scanning the space for life, and found none. The camera halfway down the hall was dim. Emily had done a fantastic job. I let the others know that the area was safe, and my group slowly made their way down the hallway. Hold on a second, Mr. Barnes whispered, ducking into one of the smaller rooms. I looked inside. He was typing away at an ancient computer while Evol rifled through a drawer full of files. I couldn't help but notice the floor-to-ceiling cages along the walls. I don't like the thought of my dad growing up in one of those. Trift nestled down into my hair. His good mood from earlier had completely dissipated. I couldn't blame him. Like it or not, it's what happened, I told him. We can't change the past, Trift but we can ensure that it never happens again. The pixie in question zipped past me, stopping in front of a particular cage. As he hovered, I noticed just how small the cages truly were. 
Trift would be cramped in one, but Torkin had to have suffered greatly if he spent any amount of time in those things as an adult. He looked at the cage in question for a moment before ripping a metal tag from it. Evol noticed, but didn't comment. Considering his aversion to this place, the keepsake must have been off of his friend's cage. He returned to my father, tucking the tag into his breast pocket before settling onto his shoulder. Dad didn't seem to notice at all. They must have discussed the action already. A printer of the same prehistoric age as the computer sprang to life, spitting out two sheets of data. Mr. Barnes grabbed the papers and handed them to me. Each machine in this lab logs its use within the database. There are several of them in use right now. I glanced down at the paper. Unidentified. What does that mean? It means it's a new machine that was plugged into the electrical system but never registered. The old man looked pissed. Where are these rooms? I asked, pointing to the numbers on the paper. Through the next set of doors. These rooms here were holding areas for advanced pixies. The ones up next were designed to test their abilities. As he spoke, Eval landed on his shoulder. She looked worried. What's up, little one? I asked her quietly. Her eyes shifted to Torkin for a second. His file's missing. I doubt that anyone could know who he is, Eval. Mr. Barnes whispered. They probably just took it because he was labeled as the most impressive creature we produced. What was in that file that would be of importance? I asked, noticing that the others had decided to investigate the other rooms while we talked. The only thing I can think of in there that would cause any issues would be his birth name. The man shrugged. It was literally just a log of his test results and observations. From what I've seen of his abilities now, the information in that file would be quite lacking. I nodded and turned. Let's keep going. Oh, log out of that thing. I doubt the person we're dealing with has any of the old passcodes. Let's keep it that way. He quickly obliged. As I read the logs in my hand, I realized that the person behind this had brought in a ton of new machinery. Only a few items on the list were registered. Their names, impossible to pronounce, gave me very little information about what they did. I was a bit concerned about what we would find through this next door. This concludes Chapter 12 of The King's Heir. I hope you enjoyed this reading, and I hope you'll return next time for Chapter 13.